amazing week of What's a Job, a podcast about the jobs people have and what it really means to hold them. We're your hosts. I'm Faith. And I'm Maria. And um, we are happy, blessed, privileged, thankful, and excited. You're tuning in to another episode this week. Um, we have been listening to a lot of your feedback and some of your comments, and we are super grateful for them. So please um, continue. Um, hit us up at What's a Job Pod on Instagram. Leave us a comment on our posts or a DM. Send us a DM, or send us an email if you want to be a little bit more personal at uh, hi at What's a Job um, Faith, let's talk about some of that feedback that we're we're getting so far. Um, nothing about. You know, I mean, not enough about how beautiful we are and our stunning personalities and just how great we need we are another on this photo podcast. shoot. We need to have yes. take more photos of us. Yes, but we are getting um, sort of topical, thematic, or, you know, suggestions about more real talk mm. about having a job. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to talk about that a little? Yeah. I mean, I feel like part of, part of the impetus for this podcast was we were both so fed up with. So, like social media, like LinkedIn or kind of industry specific Twitter, where there's this immense pressure to put on this front that your job is, it completely satis- satisfies you that you find real passion in it. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of people uh, and m- maybe in big ways and small ways. But I also think in the feedback that we've gotten is like, Sometimes work is just work, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes we go through seasons where a job that brought us a lot of satisfaction maybe two or three years ago now feels like just something that is not for us. And mm-hmm. so we want to talk about, you know, what it's like to go through a season where you're weighing a big change, you're thinking about what you've done so far in your career and what that sets you up to do next, right? Like, do you have to stay in the same industry? Do you have to stay, you know, keep the same title, um, you know, like mid career changes, which I think are really intimidating for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also think what becomes really hard is if you work for a cool quote unquote, cool company or a really cool industry and you almost get, um, guilt or you feel ashamed to admit that you're not happy because you either know like a, a bunch of other people would kill to have a job at that company or you're like, it's a cool place. So why don't I enjoy it? It must like, there's something wrong with me. And the reality is, is that those feelings that you have about being dissatisfied or, you know, knowing it's not the right fit for you and, you might want to make a change despite the company and its persona are totally valid and it's okay. And it's really no one's business. What you do with your life, they're not cutting your paychecks. I mean, your employer is, but right. I mean, the, your, the, the, what's it called? The peanut gallery mm-hmm. doesn't really need to have a say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I just want to, I think this is probably important to say that in 2022, nobody, nobody's first job is going to be their job for the rest of their life. We're all going to go through seasons of change and it's always going to be uncomfortable, but when we go through them, it doesn't mean that we failed. (laughs) It just, yeah. 
It's just part of the, part of the deal that we cut when we decide to work for a living instead of being a trust fund baby, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think my, this is a hot take and I apologize to anyone who feels offended by this, but I do think that, and I fell for this too, is like, you think when you're younger that your first job is going to lead you to like on a trajectory of like exponential progress, growth, satisfaction, increased pay and ultimate joy. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. Like, you know, you're going to, it's going to be a roller coaster. And sometimes, like you said, a job is just a job that pays your bills. And sometimes that same job or a different job that might pay you a little less or might require you to take a small demotion in title or scope could be the biggest thrill of your life. And you, you don't really know. And so nothing's linear. Um, If you're a young person, really think about like, what you're gaining from a job and even if you to, to help you get to maybe where you want to go. And if you do find yourself in a job that you are unhappy with, don't feel like you failed. There's mm-hmm. always something you learn in a job. Um, and by no means are we saying go quit your job because it's certainly not in everyone's wheelhouse that times are tough. Inflation's bad. Life is expensive. Um, we've all had loans and stuff like that, but um just know that there's more out there for you and you don't have to be stuck. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Maria, today we're going to listen to a conversation between us and our dear, dear friend, Annie Porritt. Um, Annie, Annie came into my life the same day that you did. I, and I remember the two of you walking into my backyard with our friends, Scott and Brandon. And I was like, whatever these girls are drinking. I, I need to get some of that. Um, well, we were drinking whatever you were serving us. So probably. You, you have it. <laughs> you have it. Um, but I mean, similar to, you know, I had no idea what you really did for a living. I had no idea what Annie did either. And so this is a really exciting conversation for me. And I think even more so learning that Annie is kind of in this season of change and, really putting her career under a microscope. So I'm excited for everybody to hear as well. Um, but Annie is a studio director at a production company. Um, and when we say production company, we mean, yes, TV, movies, Hollywood, the whole thing. Um, obviously, she was based in LA, which is where her production company is based as well until the pandemic, like so many of us. Um, and she found herself working remotely in Nashville and you'll hear a little bit about how she's kind of weighing, you know, working remote, returning to LA, staying in New York where she is currently. There's just, there's a lot of change, um, in Annie's life right now. So I'm excited to hear her talk through it. I think it'll be really, really relevant and helpful for listeners to hear. So let's get into it. Yep. Stick around. And here's Annie. Speaking of acting, what a perfect segue for our guest today, Faith, right? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know, because Annie, to be honest, I have no fucking clue what you do. I know you yeah, have a job. I'm a I don't know what it is. Hollywood star. Annie Porritt, please introduce yourself and tell us your job title. Okay. This is going to be so fun. I'm Annie Porritt. Um, And I am the director of operations for a production studio that I have worked for for a very long time. 
Okay, awesome. And what is a production studio? Thank you so much, Maria. I didn't want to feel like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have the company I work for. We have multiple studios throughout LA. And it's basically just a big shooting space for photo shoots, commercials, um, music videos. And now we're doing, well, we're renting out our studios for streaming content for Netflix and Apple. So we've kind of gone from like short form stuff to now these really long leases that we rent out to major streaming companies um, to shoot their stuff in. So you're in the warehouse industry is what you're saying. Maria. Yeah. (laughs) So is it truly, truly (laughs) it's like warehouses that we build and rent out essentially. Oh my God. Is it like a, like, I need to wrap my head around the physical space. Like, is it all in one place? Do you have like a lot with a bunch of warehouses? Like how, how does this work? We have. <laughs> it's because we literally know nothing. We know nothing. We know nothing job. We're starting from zero. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, thinking about it all. I'm like, okay, where do I start? So we have uh, a few campuses. Uh, I'll just, one, for example, we actually just sold it, but we used to have this campus on Sunset Boulevard that had office towers um, that had multiple levels of office space. And then the next building over would be a soundstage, which is essentially just like, you could think of an empty warehouse that is soundproof, concrete floors, padded walls for sound, um, large, they're called trusses that you can literally hang like an airplane from. Um, And then the building over from that, it would be like three uh, photo studios that were on top of each other. And those were not soundproof, but they have those white psychs that you can, I'm sure you guys have seen those white psych looking things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those would be for photo. And then the building right next to that would be another smaller sound studio um, for film. So that's like what one of our campuses looked like. There's office space for writers and for meetings and everything like that. And then the shooting space for the actual productions going on. So as director of operations, is are you solely responsible for the operations of this whole thing to go on? Like, it, that seems like a lot to operate. Yeah, so... It is a lot. I don't do anything creative. That's all the production companies who come in, shoot their stuff. We have no involvement with that. But from like a structural standpoint, we have to make sure that the studios are in great condition. Um, everything is working, the, the lighting, um, the gear orders are right for what they ordered and needed you know, the HVAC is working or the heat is working and uh, everything from like fire life and safety, like everything's up to code for what these predictions want to do. Um, So I manage smaller teams, some being stage managers who are essentially just people who are an extra stage hand for the production for whatever they need. cleaners, janitors, 
day porters. Um, we have like a parking staff, um, valets, um, and then all of our vendors that go with keeping a studio up and running. So, and are you, you're doing, so I think this was kind of face question too, is like, you're doing this on behalf of multiple campuses, correct? Like, correct. So are you as director, as it would imply, are you a one woman show overseeing like multiple campuses where multiple projects are being executed for various lengths of time? Correct. Yes, I am. Um, But the people that I work with who are, who I technically oversee, they really are like, I, I don't even view it as, I oversee them. We all just integrate so much with each other and have each other's backs and um, rely on each other so heavily for certain things that, I don't know, I feel like my immediate team is pretty solid. Maybe I have the quote unquote director title, but we all pretty much, maybe because I've just been there for so long, I don't know, but um, we all pretty much do the same things like me and a team of three other people. Um, Yeah. So who do you like, what is your, what would you say like your manager expects of you that like the building isn't falling apart? Yeah. And that, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Simply And that the, like the client and the production is happy um, their load-ins go smooth. You know, the second they come in, they, they just start pointing things out and just, this is wrong, that's wrong. Um, the production world is just very, like, hustle-bustle, scrappy. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, things fall apart really easily. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of damage control, what I do, and, like, a lot of putting Band-Aids on things, and a lot of uh, just making sure whatever production company is shooting with us, it goes as seamless as possible. We haven't even talked about the craziest part of this whole thing. Like your your job, Annie, is giving me anxiety. And like, yeah. we've been talking about it for 10 minutes. The craziest part is you don't even live in LA. I know. You live in New York. And so you're having to do all of this remotely. What the yeah. hell? Yeah. What is that like? So it that is really starting to catch up to me. I did kind of have this verbal agreement when I first moved to Nashville, October uh, 2020, that once the pandemic dies down, I'll move back out to LA. Um, there was, a, at the time, a lot of things in motion that they were building. And that's something that I was supposed to go back to and manage these new properties that they were working on for a long time um, for Apple. And now those are finally, you know, in motion. And I actually just had a conversation last week and they were like, so like, are you going to move back to LA? We, we, we really need you here. You're definitely like a boots on the ground type of position. And I told them, you know, in the kindest, most polite way, I'm not going to move back to LA. Um, Surprisingly, I feel like I have been successful working remotely in this position. Um, But it is really difficult. So um, 
we are working out the kinks right now. I got a little bit of a pay cut since I can't be uh, boots on the ground there. And I am actively looking for other work, which is a lot in itself. Um, yeah, it's like a full-time job. Yeah, it really is. And it's overwhelming. But I do kind of think my time in this industry might be coming to an end. And now it's totally just like, what am I going to do next? And everything that comes with that. Annie, you said you've been with this company for a while and your title is like very sexy. You're director of operations at a production company in LA. What was your path there? Like, can you give us like the brief history of Annie making a paycheck? Yes. So let's see. I graduated from college 2012. I started working at a news station as an intern. I thought I was gonna be like a news anchor. Um, My internship ended and I was kind of on the fence. I was like, do I want to go into news or do I wanna do something cooler? I don't know. I was in this phase of like, I really don't know what I'm gonna do next. So then I go on a family vacation to Cabo and uh, we're laying on the beach and we're laying next to a few people who strike, strike up a conversation with me. They're pretty cool. They're like, what do you do? I told them that I'm going to be this really awesome news anchor and to watch mm-hmm. out for me. And they were like, well, we uh, have a studio in L.A. and we're looking for a receptionist position um, if you want to move up to L.A. and be a receptionist for us. And... I was like, uh, okay, why not? Um, so I moved up. I literally moved up to LA after I got back from Cabo. And pause. Who the hell gets just like a cool job in LA on the beach in Cabo? Well, like that's the most like, Annie story I've ever heard. But also like such different paths because you're you just said, hey, I am gonna be like I'm gonna own News Channel like eight in yeah. San Diego. On the face of it, and they're like, hey, come answer phones in LA. Like, how did you know to just like completely divert your dreams to to do that? Because I I I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I was I was really like, am I do I want to go into the news? Cut to today. I'm probably really happy. I am really happy that I didn't get into news. Um, because everything is just wild. Um <laughs> but Yeah. I don't know, Maria. I was, how old was I? 21. I was just like, yeah, let me move to LA and check this out. And then literally I am still with, well, it's sort of a different company now, still same CEO slash founder. But um, yeah, I've been, I started as a receptionist. So I literally was at, you know, the lowest level and then just sort of worked my way up, became a coordinator after that, um, operations manager after that, to now director of operations, which essentially I think is literally the same thing as what I was doing when I was an operations manager. So mm. um, what did, so when you're, so this is interesting, we really haven't talked about the role of like parents, but you're on a family vacation mm-hmm. and someone plans to seed. Did you like, go to dinner and say like, I'm moving to LA like that night. (laughs) So Maria, this might be hard for you to understand, but they actually loved my mom the best. Can you believe (laughs) it? 
<laughs> so they were just eyeing my mom and her sister like heckling every vendor walking by on the beach usually it's the vendors who kind of like heckle you but my mom and her sister were just wasted off of margaritas just trying to like they literally had 20 vendors around them on the beach and they were just taking their sweet ass time picking out what they wanted and trying on sarongs and you know <laughs> earrings and bracelets and then these guys that we were laying next to were just like these women are awesome and I was like that's my mom and then <laughs> it turned into it turned into a conversation and now here we are wait that is so but again like did you go to your like did you just say, hey, I got we offered went a job out to dinner? Beach? We all went out to dinner that night. Like, no way. People and my family. Yeah, because we just like meshed so well. Oh, my God. Oh my goodness. So wild. does that make it does it make it harder? I mean, you've been there for 10 plus years, right? And like, I feel like that's really rare people in our generation. Yeah. To stay with a company for that long. Yeah. And do you feel like part of it is because of that loyalty was built in such a non-traditional way. Yes, I do. And it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I mean, there's been a handful of times that I have tried, not tried to leave. I, you, you can leave a job whenever you want, but they, they definitely, you know, there is a lot of loyalty there and it is, we've always had a small team and it's kind of more of like a family working with a family in a way than it is distant coworkers or distant bosses. Like we really all have a super great relationship with each other that just meshes and gels so well. And, um, but you know, I have wanted to, to leave and try other things, but when they make it, you know, a little cushy for you and you get to work yeah. wherever you want and you, you know, for an, a young 30 something year old, you are making, you know, decent money and um, you're comfortable with who you work with. It, it's, it's hard. It's hard to leave that. But now I'm in this phase of like, shit, I feel like I should have done something different years ago. And I'm kind of kicking myself now. But at the same, it's just like a pros and cons list I make with myself every day about this. Like, you have it really good. You're comfortable. Um, you love the people you work with. You know, the grass isn't always greener. But at the same time, it's like, it's healthy to be trying new avenues and, you know, learning about different companies yeah. and working with different people. And so I feel like I've been stuck for a while now. And um, it's, you know, it's difficult. And And when you haven't really worked at another company in a long time I, I you just start to feel like maybe you're not qualified to work anywhere else oh yeah and, you know well also I mean like it, you haven't gone to work yeah like we're, we're yeah. all not going to work so I think like yeah I mean at this point it's like you're like work is like a, the ghost from Christmas past kind yeah. of and the known That's is like, always it's always more comfortable than the unknown you know like even yeah. if you're not like getting a hundred percent of what you think you want. It's yeah. like, yeah, but like I get all these things that aren't givens elsewhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Annie, yeah. I do want to talk though about like 
thinking back. So you grew up in San Diego, which mm-hmm. is like what an hour to two hours away, two hours like from two LA. Two hours away from LA, yeah. And I think all of us have this conception that like if you live in California, same thing. Like if you live in Nashville, you which is where we all met and where Faith and I live, um, that we're everyone here is in the music industry, and so everyone thinks everyone in California is in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much did you know about the sausage making of <laughs> production before you took this job? Like, was it zero something percent. you knew? No. Zero. Zero percent. And so, like, most people, like, Hollywood isn't just, like, famous actors and it's, like, this giant ecosystem of multiple vendors and companies and all these components. If you, like, look back, do you think you would have gotten into what you, like, is, do you like the area that you tried out? Or do you think, like, if you look back, you're like, oh, I actually would love to be a writer. I don't know. Or like uh, in the production company. Something else in this field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, actually, no. No. Oh, mm. okay. I, I guess what I would really want to be, and Marie, I think you know this a little bit about me. I truly was meant to be like, a pop star, like a, a musician, like a, a pop star. I'm not, really were, I'm not that really big were. into like film and TV, but m- music is like my everything. And I have this all like this resentment buildup that my parents didn't force me into like stardom as a child. I really think I could have been a great pop star. And I, I mean, still not too late. Late. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I love yeah go ahead I love that well Annie I love that we're catching you during a transition because this is the first conversation we've had like this and also this episode won't be released for a very long time so we'll see what's true then also um Maria side note Bryn the first person who we interviewed who was like I would I'll stay here forever this is my job forever um her last day at her job was last week she is now the senior VP of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Alliance Bernstein. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So this the podcast is a good luck charm, Annie, just so you know. Um, oh, my God. That's good to know. Yeah, I am extremely – I don't want to make it seem like I have this Hollywood job and it's so cool. Yeah. It, it, is, it is not that way. I'm extremely unsatisfied right now, not because of the people I work with, just on a personal level. Like I just feel very stuck and really want something new. Um, but that's also scary. So I'm definitely in this phase right now of like, what am I going to do and what steps do I even take to do that? And is it going to be better than what I have now? I think that's so important for people to hear, especially from people who have job titles that seem really sexy and like cool who are like making plenty of money, Yeah, you know, like just because like on paper, it seems like everything's figured out. Doesn't mean that that's true. Who is this behind you? Who is this angel? This is Wendy. Wendy. Wendy, what's your job? Wendy is a little. We really should interview all the dogs and be like, <laughs> "What? What do you do? What money do you bring in?" 
She brings in nothing except for really cute things about her. Oh, she's um, freaking adorable. Um, okay, um, going back to like, yeah, what a good, I mean, yeah, so you're, you're feeling stuck. Mm-hmm. What are some, what are some steps that you're taking to kind of like unpack your feelings about where you are and where you want to go? And how are you doing that kind of in the context of your job, your current job? Like, how do you do that when you have a 40 plus hour a week job? Right. It's very hard. And I don't feel like I'm being productive at all. I'll just have LinkedIn open all day and I'll send messages out via LinkedIn and, you know, you don't hear back. And being in New York, I try to meet as many people as I can and ask them what they do. And I mean, I feel like trying to do that all on your own without having some assistance is just so hard and so discouraging. Mm -hmm. And so just like defeating because after I'm done with my work day, I don't want to keep looking at work stuff that I know nothing about and that I, uh, this sounds so dismal, but it's the truth. Like, it's just when you're, when I, when I'm done working, I don't want to then work, look for another job, but that's what you have to do when you look for yeah. another job. And, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I have like 30 tabs open throughout the day of, a company I hear about or, um, you know, this person owns an art gallery. Let me look at this person and see how that mm-hmm. they got into that. And is that something I want to do? Like so many different avenues I'm open to. I'm just like, which direction do I go? And I, yeah, I don't know. You seem like someone who would really enjoy listening to listening to a podcast called what's a job where we interview people about their jobs and what they do. Um, but we also, I interviewed my friend Wes a couple of weeks ago and he was like, working with a recruiter changed my life. Like just having a relationship with a recruiter whose job it is to find me a job was amazing. Yeah. But And I've been having this weird phenomenon and I don't know if you're feeling this as well, but like when I was making like less than $50,000 a year, I never felt anxiety about keeping my job or moving right to another job because my lifestyle was only big enough to fit $50,000 a year. And if I really had to, I could find a way to like do that easily. Like I could wait tables and I could drive Uber and mm-hmm. somehow I could put that together. But now my lifestyle has expanded to fit a much larger salary. Exactly. And so it feels so much scarier. I mean, thankfully right now I'm in a good place with my job, but it feels a lot scarier that like, man, I have to, I have to find something that's the same or better. And yeah. And when you, I feel like when you enter a new company, it's kind of hard to enter at the same level or above. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's more of the entry level jobs that are readily, you know, available and not so much the higher, the higher ones that you've worked so hard to get to. Um, 
So then you kind of feel like you're starting over in a way and like, you don't Mm -hmm. want to start over. Um, But yeah, once you have like a lifestyle that, you know, your rent is now so much higher than it used to be. And you do live a life uh, that's way more expensive than when you were younger. It's like, I can't imagine how people with families are like, I have a family to take care of and um, a mortgage and Mm -hmm. it's all just a lot. I mean, I think also millennials are at this really interesting inflection point where like certainly life is getting more expensive and all these current events are complicating like how you plan for the future. But I also think like we're having to shed, like we're at this weird, like like you said, both of you said about you have to kind of have a salary that accommodates your lifestyle where you have to have a salary that allows you the ability to do some of the things that you've been told traditionally you should do like Mm. buy a house or live Mm -hmm. in a certain kind of house or raise your kids in a certain way or Mm -hmm. attend certain schools etc go on certain vacations but I think because so much of our lives doesn't fit the mold of our parents Mm -hmm. we're having to make these like uncomfortable choices of maybe I don't need to buy a house Maybe it's Mm -hmm. okay for me and my partner or myself to raise a family in a rented house. I actually just saw a New York Times article this week that said most young people are foregoing even buying a primary home. They are buying like a shack in what is considered like a vacation area and just like focusing their money on that and then continuing to rent. And I mean, still, you have to have a very sizable income to do such a thing, you know, rent and own somewhere else. But I think we all are having to make these hard decisions. So it feels like getting a next job, either you're going to be have to be very confident that you're willing to take cuts or make lifestyle changes, or you're going to have to just kind of like, trudge and keep on keeping on so that you can keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. But I feel like the other part is, you know, the prestige of your job and the fact that our identities are kind of wrapped up in our profession. Like it's worth saying that we're all in our 30, well, I'll be in my thirties in two weeks and, you know, none of us are married. None of us have kids. And we're one of the first generations of women who are, like really intentionally forgoing a lot of that in the name of our careers, you know? And so it's really hard to like be in the, a position where you're thinking about taking a pay cut or you're thinking about, you know, switching companies and maybe starting at a more junior level when so much of your identity and the things that you've sacrificed have been in the name of your career, you know? Mm, totally. And sometimes I, sometimes I think, and I don't know how this is going to come across, but I'm like, if I did have a significant other right now, whether that be like a boyfriend or fiance or husband, and he obviously, I would hope would have a a decent job where he was pulling in some money. Would I be more comfortable to make that leap if I had Mm. like somebody to lean on a little bit in case I were to need that? Like maybe I'm just afraid to do it because it's me, myself and I right now. Um, but are people who, who are in, you know, committed relationships are, do they feel more 
um, free and willing to make changes so easily because it wouldn't really be the end of the world and they wouldn't be screwed if it didn't work out. Like, I don't don't think so. I've had that conversation. Actually, I used to joke with my friends because I've moved um, several times in a, in a somewhat relatively short amount of time. And I've said to my friends, like, I just wish I could like have someone help me make the decision. Like even mm. when, you know, I think for a lot of people who were single at the pandemic and your job was remote, you're like, where do I live? Like if I don't have to yes. go to my the office, like what do I base my choices off of? And I would say, I wish I could just like have somebody else be a bit of a filter on my choices. But I've had married friends say, but then your choices can significantly affect the prospects of your significant other, whether that is obvious at the beginning or obvious later. Mm. And not everyone can find alignment in where each other's careers are. I um, worked at a think tank for right after law school and uh, the head of the think tank would often say in her marriage, she and her husband had to figure out when someone was sprinting and when someone was coasting and Mm. they would have to offset each other. And the problem with that is when you're sprinting, sometimes you continue to get opportunities Well, then your partner is coasting and your partner's waiting on the chance to sprint. And so then there can be challenges Mm -hmm. that like just arise. So I think it it's it's easy to say, like, I wish I had something to help force function Mm -hmm. or enable me choice. But I think it's also hard the other way, too. Totally. That makes total sense. Yeah. 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 I think it's one of the, it's like the grass is always greener, you know? And I think that's always true. It's like part of the impetus of this podcast is I spend so much time thinking about how other people, you know, either feel more confident in their careers or are further along in their careers than I am. Um, when really like we're all kind of sitting in the same seat, like not really sure what the hell we're doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn every day, just seeing what's out there and what, what are people doing? And LinkedIn is honestly a bad place to go. If you it's are the looking, worst. if you're looking for a job, if you don't feel good about you yourself and what you're doing, you get on there and every post is like extremely humbled and like honored to win this award. And, you know, like extremely this and that, and my team is incredible and my company is so amazing and we get this and that. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I just want to shut the computer and like have someone like, I just want to read a post. That's like, I am extremely unsatisfied and I am looking for work and I am not in the best place right now, but I'm a great candidate and hit me up, you know? Yeah. And you see some of that here and there, but I'm just like, is everyone really just masking who they are and what they do? Or are these people really happy? And if they are great, my older sister, she's very high up at a healthcare consulting firm. She loves what she does. She's very smart. She 
you know, but I do think that maybe she's one of the rare ones. Um, but, but yeah, also being, you know, having a sister who has a job that she loves and she's super successful and, and, you know, I, I do just so much comparing uh, myself to family and, and friends and people that I don't know on social media and on LinkedIn and yeah, it just gets tiring. Yeah. Well, I think we've also like, I mean, and we're, we, this part of the podcast is exploring. This is like, how do you brand yourself? And mm-hmm. I think the problem with social media and like a place like LinkedIn has become like a social media platform in and of itself yeah. is like, you're trying to build your brand. And it's like, so I, we I made this joke, like at the end of last year, I kept seeing people write posts on LinkedIn <laughs> or send emails. I maybe have told you this faith where they're like, um, today is my last day at XYZ company. Stay tuned here to see where I end up next. And it's like at a middle, in a middle management role at a company that's quite similar. Like, what hype hype are you trying to build Bob? Like no one is, no one is liking and subscribing. Like we're happy for you. Congratulations. But yeah. what is like everyone is trying to like commodify yeah. themselves and like, look, mm-hmm. we are doing it too. We're trying to develop a podcast where we're commodifying ourselves and our perspectives, but so we're not above it. I'm not above it. Um, but it is this, we're not, we're not getting the chance to have honest conversations. And I feel like I, I, I just want to commend you to like, you know, we're recording a podcast and you're, you're just saying like, I'm stuck and I'm not happy. And I like am searching and it's hard. And I think a lot of people believe that that is reserved for when you're like 24. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Totally. It's even, not. even going into this, I, there was sort of a thought in my head, like, do I talk about what I do and say that I love it and, you know, give advice to younger people who might hear this and, and I don't know, like how to climb the ladder in the production world and make it seem cool and glitz and glam. And, and like, ab- absolutely not. It, it, that is just so not where my head is right now. And it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the most important thing for people to hear is like, you will have so many different careers during your professional life. Yeah. And none of them you're going to either leave or quit or get fired from every job you ever have, even if you're working for yourself. And so like just taking that pressure off of the, the ending part and the starting something new part is I think huge. Yeah. Annie, we always end with a series of questions that I think we already answered. So I just have two for you. So my first question is what is something that, you have been paid to do before so like something professional at a job not necessarily this job any job what's something that you've done at a job that has brought you a ton of joy and purpose that I've been paid for (laughs) or maybe volunteering yeah let me think about this hmm I cannot think of anything I have been paid to do that has brought me immense 
joy. Then maybe something that's like felt like you're doing a job. Like for me, landscaping my house feels like a job, right? Like it feels something I like mm. I have to do it. Um, but it brings me a lot of joy and purpose. I, I love <clears throat> making a space a home and I love cleaning. Like I absolutely love cleaning. It's therapeutic. Mm. I feel productive. Um, I do like making things cozy, cozy for people. And I actually have, I thought of this idea the other day as I was writing down, what are my interests? What are my passions? What do I love? How could I, you know, make this into a career? And I do want to help children or teenagers, um, who maybe don't come from the best household, who don't know how to cook a simple meal. They don't know how to do a load of laundry. They don't know how to, I, I don't know. This is going to sound mm -hmm. so weird, but like properly clean a space. Like mm -hmm. you vacuum first and then you dust and then you mop and just like almost like a, a Martha Stewart for younger children who don't know yeah. how to do bring things like that. Back. Bring yeah. back home ec. Yeah. But, but like, like TikTok home ec. <laughs> I don't even know how to use TikTok. That's how I feel so behind with the times. But something that's like therapeutic for me that I could teach to younger children, like how to be self-sufficient when they have their own I don't know. So many kids these days, I feel like don't know how to do, don't know how to cook like a simple, healthy meal or don't know how to do a load of laundry or don't know how to properly make a bed. Like, I don't know, just mm -hmm. when, and then when you know how to do stuff like that, you feel better about yourself. When I go ham on my apartment, I just feel so much better. Yeah. Um, just like little skills that make you feel good that maybe not everyone's mom or dad taught you growing up. I don't know. That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was in college, we, my last semester of college, I'd already graduated, but we did these research studies about food consumption and in the home. And like one of I would interview, like one of us would interview the parent and the other person would interview the child. And I think if you, you take for granted sort of like how much you learn in osmosis, if you have mm. like, I mean, like not everyone's parent is good at cooking and yeah. not everyone's parents is interested in cleaning or keeping something clean. But it was like, if your parent didn't do that, then you wouldn't know how to do it either. Like one parent's like, I don't like vegetables, so I don't buy my kid vegetables. Mm -hmm. So right, exactly. we take for granted that we like we all probably we all had parents who, you know, kept a home in a certain way. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like queer eye for the straight guy, but like clean eye for the average. I don't know. We'll we'll yeah. workshop the name, but I like conceptually. Exactly. I think America is ready for this content. Yeah, exactly. Let's go. Um, okay, my second question is: What would the Annie who was like fresh out of her internship, feeling kind of lost and directionless, be so? proud and excited of if she knew what the Annie today had accomplished? 
Mm, what a sweet question. Um, I think she would be like, wow, you're almost 32 and still single. That must mean mean you're super independent and self-sufficient and you're living in New York City on your own. And, you know, that is probably something to be proud of. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, Annie? Director of Operations, we have enjoyed getting to know the highs and the lows of Hollywood with you. Yeah. Uh, Also, this has just been, I think, like the most interesting and helpful conversation we've had. Yeah. On the podcast. It's been awesome. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I hope I... And now I'm probably going to get off and overthink everything and be like, oh my God, I came across as so like dismal and sad and neurotic but it's just like the truth of where I'm at it's just very Mm -hmm. unknown um we also have accepted long ago that we're not going to be sponsored by LinkedIn because faith (laughs) put that plug out like long ago so it's I wrote like a diss track about LinkedIn hiring which is actually it's exactly what you're describing Annie like LinkedIn their hiring tools are designed to make applicants feel like shit about themselves yeah. And to make hires unable to make an unbiased hiring decision. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so I'll share the diss track with you if you want to read it. Please, please <laughs> do. I would love to. All right, Annie, it's been great. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on another episode of What's a Job? This podcast has been produced and edited by Faith Benson and Maria Saab. You can find us at What's a Job Pod on Instagram, at What's a Job Pod.com, and you can email us at hi at What's a Job Pod.com. What's a Job is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, wherever you can, please like, follow, subscribe, leave us a review. It really helps us get better. We release a new episode every Tuesday morning. So we'll see you soon.